This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, Charlie. Good morning, everyone. And good morning to you, Franklin Proctor. Well, here we are, Charlie Dobbin, on a <laughs> Saturday, what is the 17th? I like the way you say that. <laughs> well. Well, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, I was we just going to say, you can just, tell what we were yeah, just talking about. Yeah, I know. We, uh, just before hitting uh, mic uh, switch there, Charlie and I were having a little <laughs> conflab about the current situation with the pandemic and how we're both getting PO'd. Yeah. You know, really, uh, I was just relating the fact that, you know, normally at this point in time, uh, my gal Shirley would be looking forward to almost a month down in Florida. I would be able to arrange maybe 10 or 11 days because they didn't want to miss too many garden shows. No, you know? I was going to say, can't exactly. do it without you. <laughs> but no, we can't do that anymore. No. And so, but in a sense, maybe that's not such a bad thing, well, not no. going to Florida. Yeah, really. yeah. Oh, no, no. But Even just, without the pandemic, you probably might not want to be there just <laughs> oh, now. No. Really? Right now, no. Yeah, it's a but different story. It is, it's one of frustration. There's well, not much to look forward that's to. That's what I was just going to say. It's like it's like We're yeah. caught in a syndrome of nothing to look forward to, and, yeah. and it feels a bit bleak, right? The days are getting shorter, and you know, like a good example, I see my dad on Friday nights yeah. and since the kind of opening of things in midsummer, I started coming, we'd go out for dinner Friday night and yeah. as the 416 or the Toronto restaurants shut down, we moved out to York region and Thank now they're much. shutting down. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, now they're shutting down. Yeah. So, so I, my dad's a bit sad. I won't be seeing him. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those. And you haven't seen your grandkids and yeah. you don't remember. Yeah, they live right downtown Toronto, but you know. Yeah, so you do a drive-by, and they go out on the balcony, and you wave, right? Yeah, yeah, we meet in the street sometimes, you know, staying 10 feet apart, that sort of thing. And that's so hard with grandkids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's a a funny time, and it's, I think, yeah, but, you know what, we're going to cheer everybody up. That's exactly, we are the cheerleaders. (laughs) (laughs) But but I'd like to really, let's emphasize... Great places to go, whether it's a local park or, yep. uh, you know, even a bit of a drive to something that is fun to do. Yeah. That is not, you know, going to put you on an airplane. Like, let's, let's keep it simple, stupid, but let's talk about, you know, anybody who has some suggestions in your neighborhood of fun By places to go, means. we'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, which uh, leads me to the phone numbers. Where <laughs> oh, this is good the idea. Show for the garden show, yeah. So here we go. Uh, let's see. 416-360-0740. Or the toll-free line uh, open right across the province here. 1-866-740-4740. And do keep in mind that if you're a first-time caller, please let uh, Carlos, our operator, know and... 
You'll hear that. You get your garden wings before you hit the airwaves. Pretty special. Yeah. And we still got some emails to address. They, yeah. There is still quite a pile in my inbox, so we're working away on them. Okay. Very good, Charlie. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that about it for the moment? Probably should okay. do our first break. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll go to our first break. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Happy up. We're coming back. Yeah. Oh, there she is. Smiling, <laughs> laughing, giggling. All right. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, that whole break was taken up with Charlie and I arguing about who paid last week for our luncheon across the street. Arm wrestle to yeah, the oh, end. I find out that I am to pay today. It's your mm, turn, baby. Okay. Steak and eggs. All righty, let's go to the phone lines here and say hi to Don calling in from Hamilton. Good morning, Don. Hi, Don. Hello. Good morning. Yep, there you are. You're on the air. No, I'm Lorraine. Oh, Lorraine. Oh. Okay, good. I think we might. Who okay, knows? Hi, it. Lorraine. <laughs> Are you calling from Hamilton? I have some creeping flocks on the north side of my driveway, but it's away from the. It gets sun, morning sun over the roof, and it goes over a little retaining border. Nice. And it's growing into towards this. I thought it would grow, grow southwards, but it's growing northwards, <laughs> and it's covering up all my. Um, daffodils that are supposed to come up in Mm. the spring. Mm. And so I was wondering if I trimmed it all back, would uh, would that help? Well, did did it slow down the emergence of the daffodils last spring? Yeah, they didn't come up. They didn't? There's one or two sort of poked through. Huh. I'm surprised they didn't just push their way through that flock. Yes, that's right. That's what I was wondering. It is an evergreen. Daffodils, I understood that daffodils aren't that attractive to squirrels, or am I mistaken? No, that's correct. They they are poisonous to squirrels. Yeah, so I thought that, you know, maybe they should come up. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they're still there. I mean, flocks, <clears throat> creeping flocks tends to be a fairly dense mat, like a carpet. <clears throat> and it could be that the daffodils, it was just cold and dark and they just kind of went up and went, oh, it's all dark up there and, and just gave up the ghost. If you want to trim, which you can do, uh, shear and trim and do whatever you want, best time to do that is in the spring. Okay. Right after it flowers. So right after the flowers, after it flowers, exactly, because it's an early spring bloomer. Right. So, but what I would do is uh, do your best uh, for this year. If you, what you could do for this year is, you know, remember pretty much where those daffodils are. Do a little trimming so that you're exposing where the daffodils are, and see uh, see if you can just help them emerge by uh, exposing the bare earth to the sun and and so the the daffodils being able to come up early in the spring. So I could do that now. Yeah, I, I'm, do the minimal amount of trimming, but do what you have to do. Okay, thanks very much. Okie doke. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, so Frankie, um, Carlos just sent us a note and said he's having some technical issues with the software. Oh, okay. So we're not sure who's up next, but perhaps... I believe it's John. Oh, you think so? And Mark, I might think. Uh, hi, hi, John. Is that the... Mm-hmm. Good morning, both of you. Ah, there Good we morning. Go. Okay. Uh, I'm a dahlia lover. I love growing dahlias. Mm-hmm. So from back home, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only problem I find every year. Well, question number one is: Do you wait till the frost passed, and then you bring in the dahlias? That's what I do. 
Because that's somehow something that keeps get a better bulb. Well, because physiologically, the the the, the dahlias are growing on a very large rhizome, and uh-huh. and what happens is is that they're growing and growing, and everything's peachy, and the sun is shining, and they're flowering, and we love them. And if we dig them up while they're still in that active state, of course, we're going to force them to go dormant when we dig them up, but it's a bit of a shock to the plant, whereas if you let nature do the shock, like that that wonderful frost that causes the leaves to just turn black overnight, that, again, forces that dormant period to start, but you're then in a good position to get in there with your digging fork, dig those those dahlias up out of the ground, and lay them out on newspapers or, or wherever, you know, on a porch, in a garage, to let them dry down, because you want them to dry down down for at least four or five days and then gently remove uh, whatever big clumps of soil are still stuck and yep. then away for the winter. But I, I just find I have my best, best success when I let nature take its course and let them yep. go dormant because of the weather. No question. Do we talk about uh, after you cut them in the grass drive four or five days? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, every year I lose so many uh, tubers because I put them in peat moss in the cold room, mm-hmm. but somehow <laughs> I lose maybe... 20, 30% because they dry up. Mm-hmm. You could shrivel up and mm-hmm. they're gone. Mm-hmm. Like beautiful tubers they were before. Right. So that... Uh, the- actually, something, something else told me mm-hmm. that uh, he puts them in soil mm-hmm. with the, the stick, the, what he cut off, above the ground and put them in cold storage mm-hmm. in the garage. Mm-hmm. There's no frost. Is that possible? Yeah, that can work. It's obviously frost-free is important, and some people's garages are not frost-free. No. Cool storage will always slow down any um, early growth on the plant, because like you said, sticking the stem up out of the ground means that that is exposed to light, and you could start getting some growth on on those tubers. You don't want them to grow until next spring, right? Dark, sorry, interrupt. It keep it kept it dark and insulated on top mm-hmm. on the outside. Mm-hmm. Would you would have a better chance to, for recovery in the spring, so it wouldn't be dried up again. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what the drying up is all about. It's because of the dry peat moss. There, yeah, that's, that's where you need a little mister bottle. And as you're putting them away for the for the winter, you're misting the peat moss lightly, so there's a little bit of moisture in it, oh. and and then sealing it all up in your cold, dark location, and then go back six weeks later and dig around and check. Too much. Moisture. Had moisture to it. Well, that's what I was going to say. You have to check. You have to check. It's going to depend on temperatures. Uh, so, so you have to check it every month almost. Then. Yeah, if you can, every four to six weeks. So remember, too... <laughs> I'll be, be sitting. I know, but too much <laughs> moisture and they'll rot and not enough moisture and they'll shrivel up. So okay, there's anything a better than fine uh, line. peat moss. Well, what we love about peat moss, <clears throat> peat moss is that it's sterile. So what? Sterile. So sterile. anything sterile that's... Peat moss. Anything that's like out that? of... Anything out of a bag, anything out of a sealed okay. bag is sterile. Yes. That's what you want to put them into. Go, okay. could be potting soil, you know, could be a peat moss, whatever, perlite, vermiculite, anything that's completely sterile is what we put them away into. Okay, okay John. Maybe mix of, of peat moss as soil, which you, which you as long as that? it's sterile soil out of a bag. Yes, that I mean, make a fifty-fifty with sure that yes, would work, and wine. and a little bit of moisture. Good luck, John. Okay, John, we have to move along, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, thank you so much John. All right, take care, and thank you for calling. <laughs> he snuck a lot of questions well, in there. Did he ever? Boy, <laughs> whatever happened to one question per well, caller? I don't know. Well, where's uh, the, you know, 
Mr. Proctor, the patrolman. I know. You need a whistle. Motorcycle there. (laughs) I think what happened? I ran ran into the ditch. Anyway, uh, we have to take an extra little break here, Charlie. So uh, a reminder, our phone lines in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And we'll deal with a couple of the emails that we've uh, left building up there for some time, but we'll try Mm. and knock them off uh, a few anyway in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, and a quick note to Ray, Kathy, Dawn, and Diane, who are on the line and waiting patiently. Please just hang in there. We'll get to you momentarily. First of all, a couple of emails. Uh, This from Christine in Buffalo. Dear Charlie, when I'm pulling weeds, should I shake the mud off the weeds, or am I putting weed seeds back in the ground? And... Where do I find red worms? When I dump my compost, do I try to save the worms and put them back in the composter? My composter is a barrel and does not sit in the ground, so the little guys have no access to the dirt. <laughs> that sounds like a weird composter to me. Right, yeah, so she's using a barrel, an existing yeah. container of some kind to compost into, which is interesting if that's working, because it could be a challenging. Always yeah. best to have your composter designed with the bottom open, in touch with the soil below. Yep. The reason why is because uh, it's a good question. It's hard to say how this would work in Buffalo. In my experience, red worms as winter comes, they go down deep and they'll actually go below ground, below the composter mm-hmm. for the winter and go to sleep. As spring emerges and sun shines and birds start singing, the red worms come back up. So you, they, ne- they never die. They survive the winter in the compost and using the soil below for insulation. So whether hers would survive in a barrel, it's going to depend how much moisture, what yeah. kind of temperature. It uh, could turn into a little oven if the sun is shining on it, right? Like it's hard to say. But I can tell you if you need to find redworms in the Buffalo, New York area, I did get in touch with uh, a good friend, Kathy, of Kathy's Crawlers or Kathy's Composters. She's yep. a, an Aurora Newmarket-based um, redworm specialist, actually, and she'll ship redworms all over Canada, but not to the States. So she suggested, and I did quickly Google, um, if you're interested in buying redworms and you live in the USA, just a simple, simple Google of redworm suppliers USA, and you will come up with a number of suppliers. And it's easy to ship red worms right directly to your home address. Just quickly, the first question of should I shake the mud off the weeds when I'm pulling them out mm-hmm. of the ground? If the weeds that you're pulling have gone not only to flower but to seed, then I would be very careful when I'm pulling them up that I don't release any seeds from those plants on the soil where I'm pulling the weeds from. Yeah. Um, the soil itself likely is fine to knock the soil back down to the ground. But best thing in the world is, you know, even now I'm seeing daffodil or not daffodils, um, dandelions blooming, right? Yeah. So just break off those yellow flowers before they go to seed. And if you, if you don't have time to dig out the plant, at least don't let them go to flower right. and seed. And propagate. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. I like that. Okay. That's Ooh. very horticultural type oh, word. Thank you propagate. very much. I, I'm most proud of myself. You can 
<laughs> Tell you've been doing this for a while. <laughs> All right, one one more email before we go back to our phone lines. This is from Cheryl. Hi, Charlie and Frank. Love your show. We have a place up in Wasaga Beach, and one of our or Wasaga Beach, uh, one of our servers, Barry Bush Trees. Uh, berry bush trees. Hmm. Service berry. Oh, oh, there we are. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, uh, it appeared to be like mildew yeah. on the leaves this year. Mm-hmm. It is planted in front of our deck that faces west. I suspect it does not get as much sun or air as the other because between steps and a black chokeberry bush, actually it's supposed to be one of the three choke, black chokeberry bushes across the edge of the deck. Oh, my goodness. I'm doing an awful job of reading no this. No worry, but it, it was supposed to be three of the same, and it all yeah. got messed up. But one is okay. a service berry. She said, I'm concerned moving is not a full solution. and wondering if I should use dormancy spray next spring to make sure it is healthy for the coming year. Okay. Uh, hard to know what kind of how big your deck is. Choke cherry, or she calls them choke berry, but a choke cherry bush, uh, proper name is Aronia, is going to grow... Two to three meters wide and two to three meters tall. Same with serviceberry. So I hope you have a very big deck because you do not want to have these plants all crammed together. Uh-huh. Because as you're recognizing, Cheryl, you're ending up with some mildew on the serviceberry. So hopefully, in terms of the error that was made there, the serviceberry is the one in the middle. So you can remove it. I would definitely uh, dig it out and give it a better spot. You want minimum six hours of direct sun every day. So it's in good, clean sun you know, mm. uh, spot and good air circulation to avoid the mildew. Some summers we just can't help it. It's between the high humidity and, um, you know, high moisture level, certainly that we've been having the last few weeks, uh, mildews will emerge. Dormant spray, wonderful, wonderful spray, the most important spray of the entire and the whole year for any of our plants that are susceptible to fungal diseases. So sure, you could use that dormant spray this fall. You could use that dormant spray again next spring. Follow the directions on the package and uh, recognize that dormant spray, yes, roses, crab apples, lilacs, all the plants that end up showing a little bit of powdery mildew, we can prevent the problem by using the spray at the right time. Okay. Uh, back to our phone lines now. Let's say hi to Ray, maybe just around the corner here in Toronto. Good morning, Ray. Hi. Morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. I have a supposed four-foot-tall hydrangea standard, mm-hmm. one with the upside-down conical flowers mm-hmm. that change from white to burgundy. Mm-hmm. Well, it has a lateral three-quarter-inch branch coming off the main trunk. Mm-hmm. I am toying with the idea of removing this branch and trying to root it to another Oh. I guess standard. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, what's your opinion? Okay. So put if... Put it into a planter, forget it, or will I kill the original? Oh, no, not at all. No, you can, if if that, that lateral branch, and three-quarters of an inch is a good-sized branch, is throwing the the aesthetic of your your hydrangea, your standard yeah. hydrangea, if it's messing up the aesthetic, it's making it uneven, unbalanced, not looking good, then absolutely, yes, you should remove it. Um, yeah, and like I say, three quarters of an inch, it's been there for a number of years. So be, when you do your, your pruning away, you're going to use probably a pruning saw, mm-hmm. and you're going to do it on a nice dry day, and it will heal up, and the, the mother plant will be fine. Can yeah, you root that branch? We're in the spring. Um, 
I, I would hold off to the spring if you can, but it, you could do it either time. You could do it now or in the spring, but or one or the other. But will you be able to root that, that big old branch? No. <clears throat> no, be it virtually impossible to get roots to grow from such old, um, what we call secondary growth, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, you need, you can if you want to start another standard hydrangea, but you will have to take a very, what we call tip cuttings. So it's the, the six to seven inches on the tips of your growth that you would cut off and root to grow new plants from. But it's got to be actively growing, so that would be more like June when you would take those cuttings. Because this is coming off now and looks like another standard. It's Mm -hmm. almost the same size blooms. If you could just get it to root. The rooting part would be the hard part. Even with the uh, root over? It would be hard to get it to root because it is a, a large hardwood branch. Oh, I see. Roots will always grow from... Hardwood cuttings with y- the rootle. Right. When we do hardwood cuttings, which we do, they're, they're at the biggest, the, the width of a pencil. I see. Not three-quarter inch. And we do those cuttings in January, February, when they're completely dormant, and then under very controlled, cool, bright circumstances, we can often get them to root. But those are hardwood cuttings of vigorous plants like dogwoods and forsythia. It would be a little... You would never get... Well, I mean, you could try, but I let me know if you can get roots to grow on such a large branch, because that, to my mind, would be rather difficult. Okay. Thank you, Kathy. And uh, let us know how you, uh, pardon me, Ray. Thank you, uh, Ray. I'm looking at my sheet here. Kathy is next up. (laughs) You get so excited. I know. From Thornhill is Kathy on the line right now. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just need to know how to overwinter my mandevillas and my palm trees. Oh, my. Are they really big plants? The mandevillas, yes. You've had them for five feet. About five feet. Okay, and you got one or two? Have you got a big, sunny, uh, you know, solarium or something like that to move them into? We usually put them upstairs in um, the extra bedroom and in the little, the other bedroom. Mm. Um, we face south. Oh, good. That's, that's good, right? That's great. No. Well, so... <clears throat> Palms, now any of these tropical plants, we spend quite a lot of money to buy them. We love them outside all summer. And if we have a good spot to overwinter them, many people do so. Um, two ways to do it. One is you keep these plants actively growing. So you give them a bright, sunny location in your home. <clears throat> of course, the, the heat is on. So, you know, you're at a temperate kind of a temperature. You water as required. You visit them every day. Make sure there's no, uh, you know, bugs came in on them or anything like that. So you're, you're caring for them and, and following them and, and nurturing them through the winter, then giving them a very big pruning job, not so much the palm, but certainly the mandevilla or hibiscus, any of those oleanders. We cut them right back in early March so that they're ready to go back out in the spring. However, not everybody has a beautiful sunny guest room to put the the plants into. So sometimes people will put them into what we call semi-dormancy. So they'll put them into a darker, cooler location and and not water them with any regularity uh, and and basically just put them down. It could be a basement, it could be a root cellar, whatever it is, um, and and they'll stay alive, but you still will have to stay on top of sometimes they need a bit of water, but not too much water. So a little bit of just nurture to make sure that they survive this dormant period, and then you bring them back out and get them into some sunshine, and they wake up in the spring. 
Okay. And how much should I cut back the mandevillas before I bring them in? Well, cut them back so that you can handle them. Okay. Remember that they're probably covered in flowers, so you hate to do that now, but but you will. And and when you bring them in, you're going to find you get a lot of very thin, green, long, viney growth off of them. So do whatever cutting back you want to do uh, to make them handleable and recognize you're going to continue to do some tidying up through November, December, but then do a hard cutting back in late February, early March. Late February. Okay. And is it, can they stay outside until the frost or? Um, depends. Uh, till, yes, they can stay out till about one degree as well as they're well watered and not in a lot of wind. Oh, okay. Okay, so make sure they're not suffering for water when they're outside when it gets cold. Okay. If they are, they'll be much more susceptible to frost. But okay. yeah, they're good to cool. one. Even Mandevilla is a little more tender than the palms. But um, yeah, yes. there's a fine line with any of those tropicals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm bringing them in as well as my hibiscus, but the hibiscus yeah. usually give me give me bugs, the little white flies. And yeah, and that's a challenge. Like when you bring is. in white fly, you're stuck with white fly. I have mm. never been, I have not yet, or in the last ten years, been able to eliminate white fly once it comes in. I know. So I know. I, I've been not bringing in my hibiscus anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it All sounds right. like uh, Kathy. It sounds like Charlie has given you a fair amount of work to <laughs> I get know, done there. Quite the gardener, yeah, by the sounds exactly. of it. Exactly. Thanks oh, he's for. The gardener. <laughs> Thanks for checking <laughs> Well, good luck with that. Very, very Enjoy. good. Keep in touch okay. with us here in the Garden Show, okay? Okay. Thank you. I love your show. Thank, Thank you. Bless okay. your heart. Thank you. Uh, look, you're going to uh, get some exercise. I know. I'm Ooh, so excited. Baby. Just a second. Here we go. <laughs> oh, there we go. Ringing the bell uh, the for big Don in Hamilton. First time caller. Good morning, Don. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a... Quite a big collection of hostas in my garden in different areas around my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, I have in the past cut them back. Now, last year I didn't cut them back in the fall, mm-hmm. and they come back quite nicely. And mm-hmm. I read recently that you should let them just die off, mm-hmm. let the leaves go yellow. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wanted to find out what exactly was your uh, opinion on this, uh, on hostas. Like this. So, Dawn, this is a great question because it's happening right now. <clears throat> You're right. I used to do the same thing. I'd go out in the fall. I'd clean up all my hostas and my various perennials and, you know, leave it all sort of tidy before winter started. And then one fall or one autumn, I didn't have a chance to get out there. So everything got frosted and dropped to the ground. And of course, hostas look kind of like dirty Kleenex when they, <laughs> the, the leaves right. drop to the ground. Yeah, exactly. They're not very pretty. And yet the snow fell, the snow melted and spring started and those leaves had completely disappeared. So I saved myself hours of work. The end, <laughs> of course, the leaves went back to, into the ground. Like, <clears throat> the moisture, the nutrient, everything that was in those leaves decomposed back into the soil where the microorganisms were fed by it and of course we fed the soil with the leaves I just went wow that was a bonus like I'm a lazy gardener give me a chance (laughs) to not have to go out and do some work I'm a happy person so if you can put up with that dirty Kleenex look for a week or two do it I would not rush out and uh, cut them all down if you don't have to 
Okay, that's great. That's great news because, yes, it is a lot of work cutting them, cutting them back in the fall, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like I need to come visit you to, to see if you want to share some of those hostas with me. I've got some oh, big you're, gardens. Yeah, you're welcome to them because <laughs> I have a lot. That sounds like it. <laughs> very good, Don. Thanks for calling, Thank Don. you. Okay, thank, thanks very much for the advice. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care of Hamilton Forest. Um, let's see. What's our timing here? Okay, we've got uh, time for another call here before we take our next break here. Diane in Toronto. Good morning, Diane. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Our pleasure. Uh, I have a, uh, a cool beans crepe myrtle. Um, the tag indicates it's a zone six. Mm-hmm. I purchased it last year, um, put, put it in a pot, and then in, in the winter, over winter, I put it in the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, should I put it in the garage? Should I leave it in the ground? Um, I've had some research I've done that said it's a zone seven. Mm-hmm. This is a cool bean, so apparently it's it's more um, a little more hardy than most. Hardy, yeah. Okay, so when you put it in the garage last year, um, what? Uh, so it came through fine by the sounds of it. It did. Yes. Yes, it was. It was perfect. Yeah, I'm just double-checking here because yeah. I'm, I'm not positive what I would do with that one. Yeah. And you're in Toronto. So, I mean, I am. <clears throat> you technically are gardening in Zone 6, right? Yeah, I'm closer to the beaches. Like, oh, yeah, so that's even gentler. That, yeah, milder. not that far north. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, being cl- the closer you are to the lake, mm-hmm. the w- the more tempered your climate is. Mm-hmm. So your winters aren't as cold and your summers aren't as hot when you're close to a large body of water. Yeah. Um, so, for example, where I now live in Prince Edward County, we haven't even had a frost yet. Like, I've got geraniums all perky and, you know, I <clears throat> cut down my tomatoes just to get because I was tired of looking at them, right. but they haven't yeah. been frosted. So it's interesting because I know where I used to live in Richmond Hill, everything's, you know, baked for sure right. now. Um, so probably five kilometers from the lake. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm just, so how big is this plant? Like you're it's, saying... It's you, small, actually. It's like a foot only. Okay. Hmm. It's still young. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm but, opening uh, it, I have it planted closer to the sidewalk in the road area. Right. So, so you know what? But I do, I do provide protection in the winter for that corner so the salt and all that doesn't get into the garden. Hmm. Yeah, so it's never going to get very big. It is a fairly small plant, and it's a fairly slow-growing plant. Okay. Um, it is, it's great in terms of being tolerant of drought and attractive to bees and butterflies, so a lovely plant that way. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, according to Blue Sky Nursery, which is a pretty smart nursery uh, in our neighborhood, <clears throat> it is hardy to minus 23 degrees Celsius. Okay. So we have had winters in Toronto where it got to mm-hmm. below minus 23 Celsius overnight. Uh, sometimes it's the duration of the cold that can kill things as well. Right. So it's one, I mean, I guess you could look forward at some of the winter forecasts. Everything I'm hearing, they're talking about a milder winter than, than average. Right. So temperature wise, but more snow than average, maybe because of all this mild, we'll get lake effect snow perhaps. Right. And snow is great, right? Snow is an excellent insulator. Sure. Garden yeah. plant. What, what if I put a cone over 
it, like a, a large styrofoam. Yeah, they're a bit tricky, those cones. They do trap um, certainly cold air, but they also trap, you know, they insulate. It's like an upside-down cooler, right, a beer cooler. Right. But the challenge with those in the spring is that uh, things start to warm up, and it's there's a lot of moisture up underneath, and th- many plants will actually just turn to mush if you're too slow getting those cones off. Okay. Um, I'd be more inclined... You, so you got through the first winter, so you, it's in a pot still, or it's in the ground? No, it's in the ground. I planted it in the spring in the ground. Okay, so last year it was in a pot and went yep. in the. So you know what? I would get some soil. Treat it like a rose. So okay. mound some soil, like hill it in the. Once it gets cold, once we get a hard frost, nine to ten inches of just earth around the base of the plant. And if you are going to, you know, if it's a salt issue and you need to put a little bit of burlap or something to protect from salt or people, certainly okay. no no issues with deer and deers and deer yep. and rabbit will not eat that plant which right. is a good thing and yeah. uh yeah let it let it see how it goes can, like i have a i have mulch can mm-hmm. i put the mulch yeah. into the earth yeah as long as it's a fairly uh well composted mulch it's not big yes, chunky mulch yeah yeah, yeah. It's, That'll, fine, it's really fine mulch good. um i also sent an email so you can just disregard it oh, okay. like we said about three weeks ago oh, okay perfect okay. yeah thank you well thank you, you very much for that. that thank you so much i really appreciate your help our pleasure thank you for calling okay, and we are up to our next break here in fact a little overtime so oh, my Got to take a little bit of a break and come back and deal with some more phone calls and maybe squeeze in another email or two <laughs> uh, here as you listen in to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Frank, the sous chef of the garden, uh, just saying to Sheila, Marina, and Jane, hang tight. We're coming back at you on the phone lines. One more email to deal with. This from William Hill in Pickering. Hi, Charlie and the whole team. Over the next few weeks, I'd like to take quite a few geranium cuttings from a varieties of plants. My previous attempts have had various success rates. This year, I'm thinking of leaving the cuttings and the mother plants outside until approaching frost dates rather than bringing them indoor under lights. I've been using white rose four-tier stand, each tier with four fluorescent uh, grow bulbs. Thank you in advance for your comments. Bill from Pickering. Mm-hmm. Good question, Bill. And thank you for being a white rose supporter back in the day. Uh, I too had, was growing, um, using some of the white rose fixtures back at my last home. So notice the date on this email. Um, Bill sent this in mid-September, so perhaps he's already moved forward and, and made some decisions. But here's the, here's the bottom line. The mother plants, the geraniums mm-hmm. that you have outside, if they're in pots, they're not that hard to bring indoors after you've given them a good soap and water wash and and then a, a rinse and bring in the mother plants. And you can cut them back at any point you want to propagate them for next spring. Or your mother plants might be in the ground. If they're in the ground, do not even attempt to dig them up. It's way too much work. Instead, take your cuttings from the mother plant now. I'm assuming it hasn't frosted where you are. These are tip cuttings. Remove the flowers because you probably have flowers on those tips. So get rid of the flowers. Four to six inch green stem with green leaf cuttings. Remove the leaves on the lower portion of that stem so that you're, you've exposed the nodes where those leaves came from. Make sure you've got 
got some rooting hormone, typically called stim root. Number one, it is a, a rooting hormone, naturally occurring rooting hormone that will encourage roots quickly. You dip your cuttings into water. You dip your cuttings, wet cuttings into the powder. You knock off the excess and then you take those cuttings and you insert them into something moist. It could be moist sand, moist perlite, moist vermiculite, uh, moist potting soil, anything moist, sometimes even just straight water. People mm-hmm. will put geranium cuttings into straight water, and those cuttings will go onto your plant stand. And it's from there that the roots will grow. And they will grow fairly quickly. it take a couple of weeks. Keep an eye. Um, if they start to really shrivel up because they have no ability to absorb water, right. they have no roots yet, you will often will put a little plastic wrap over top or a little hood. Uh, it's also known as a cloche. Just something that makes mm. like a mini kind of a greenhouse idea, keeping that moisture around the plants until they grow roots. As soon as they've got some roots, get them potted up into little small pots and, and just nurture them through the winter. You're going to probably take cuttings from those cuttings by January, February. So before you know it, you've opened your own geranium. Nursery. Good luck with all of that, Bill. <laughs> okay. Back to our phone lines. There's Sheila patiently waiting in the Tobacco. Good morning, Sheila. Morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. I'm calling with regard to my prized Japanese maple. Mm-hmm. I've had, I don't know, this summer has been very, very hot, and the leaves, they're mm-hmm. very crispy, frail, um, you know, feathery kind. I don't mm-hmm. know the name of oh, that. Oh, the fringe, yeah. Type. Yep. But they've, like, crusts on them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another thing is that the inside branches have all died out. Mm-hmm. And I put, you know, they were so brittle, so they came off very readily. Mm-hmm. But now there's a big hole there. Mm. Right. So is this a... Will it go back? Is this a weeping variety or an yes, upright? Yes, it is the weeping. Okay. And so it got really, really dense. And it's how many years have you had it? A long time, obviously. Oh. Close to 40, 40 plus years. Wow. But it's such a beautiful specimen. Right. So have and you... we burlap it every winter just to protect it. Okay. You may not need to burlap it. What direction does it face? Uh, it's west, um, southwest. Hmm. It gets a fair amount of sun. Yeah, I know. So I'm just wondering if you need to burlap it. I, I probably I don't know. Wouldn't. I guess we babied it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first year or two, and of course, 44 years ago, that was a very <clears throat> treasured, unusual oh, plant. Yeah. Super exotic. Paid a lot of money then when I we bet. couldn't afford it. <laughs> I bet. And now they're much more common, right? But 40 years ago, they were hard to find. Yeah. So, you know, good for you, which is why you protected it every winter for all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what I would do if it was my Japanese maple is I wouldn't burlap it. But next oh. spring uh-huh. I would get down on my hands and knees yeah. with my very sharp pruners and uh-huh. or loppers. Uh-huh. I would not only clean out anything that's dead on the plant, I would clean the, the ground below because, you know, there's going to be debris, leaves, etc. Yeah. I'd make sure that that soil is not old and tired 44 years later. So I'd be okay. adding some compost, getting some organic matter into the soil around the plant. Okay. And I'd look very closely at thinning out some of the growth because I bet it's extremely dense um, and it needs to part to rejuvenate that plant it needs to be opened up it needs to be cut back it, oh. needs, it needs some some pruning and this would all happen I would be doing it probably in March or April because okay. you can see then what's alive and what's dead like live growth has got sh- is shiny bark um, uh-huh. the dead is a totally different color it's brown or black or whatever yeah, so it just sort of snaps 
Yeah. Well, and don't snap it, though. You cut it with nice, sharp pruners because it's very hard on plants to have ragged um, uh, um Bro- Ends, wait, yeah, like it, they don't heal well. So, okay. A pruner will make a nice clean cut, and if okay. the plant is and a diagonal healthy, cut is that not necessarily. You follow the, your branch color, really, okay. and it could be whatever angle. But I mean, a forty-four-year-old plant is not a young plant. No, it and, is not. and just like people. Plants get old, so it doesn't have that same vigor that it had. That. I know, but <laughs> we say we say it just—it's had too many birthdays, so it's it, it's not able to heal its wounds quite as well as a young one can. So uh, just keep that in mind when you're working with uh, these plants. Okay, <laughs> now in the spring, you know, all the foliage falls to the yeah, base of the thing. Would that hurt it? Because I've just let it be there. No, so you're going to clean that all up. Use you're gonna, this compost. No, yeah, put it in the compost, but add some fresh no, compost the to bottom, the soil. I just leave it there. But don't. Pull it out. Get a rake okay. and pull it out. Okay. Okay. Thank Thanks you, Sheila. We have to, have to kind of move along here. We are uh, next break and then a couple of uh, other callers, Marina and Jane, hanging on the line there. Stay with us here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie and I are galloping off to Guelph to say hi to Marina, uh, Marissa, pardon me, Marissa. <laughs> yeah, hi, good morning. Oh, hi, good morning. Uh, yes, I have some beautiful orange poppies in a raised flower bed. Mm. And um, they are close to a little beautiful rose bush. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, um, the rose bush really doesn't come into its own until after the poppies mm. have uh, finished, finished yeah. blooming. Mm-hmm. And now the poppies, well, they have that second growth, mm-hmm. and they're starting to overtake <laughs> that little rose bush right. again. Um, I'm thinking of digging it up and putting it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Is that- is that a good idea? Uh, well, somebody's going to have to give there. So you're either going to have to say, I'm going to have fewer poppies and, you know, shrink that collection that you've got or move the rose. But make sure you're moving the rose into a very, very sunny, preferably good air circulation location. Okay. Sound good? <laughs> thank uh, you, Marissa. Okay, Marissa. Thank you. Uh, off to Chatham now. There's Jane on the line. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. How are you guys? Excellent. What's Love going on? Seeing the pictures of your new home on Facebook. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was laying the grass. Keep us posted. Uh, no, I've got. You're right. I've I've been a little bit uh, busy and not posting as much as I should. I, my brother was yelling at me too. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling about a Japanese maple also. Mm-hmm. Um, all this has happened with over the last month, in that all the ends are turning a pinky white. The, Almost like they've been hit by frost or maybe sunburned. The leaves or the tips of the stems? No, the leaves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know what the answer to that is? At this time of year, never, ever, ever worry about the state of leaves on deciduous plants. Because these leaves are going to fall in the next week or two, and next year's a whole new year. This was a very tough year for Japanese maples in general because of the high heat and the lack of moisture. Yeah. Uh, it was a great year for tomatoes and sunflowers and, you know, cannabis mm-hmm. and, and a whole bunch of people that were growing plants that love those, that environment, but not Japanese maples. So don't worry. Those next year's a whole new year. Keep that organic matter coming around your Japanese maples. 
It will help with moisture retention. It'll help with a slow release of nutrients to these plants and will help them get through tough, hot, droughty situations like July, what, particularly July and early September was. All right. Okay, so the, that the organic matter I put down in the spring? Yeah, spring or fall, every oh, single okay. year. Okay. Okay. All righty, I'll <laughs> see how it looks like. Excellent. I think you'll find it'll look gorgeous. And then you'll do some cleaning up, some pruning, you know, tidying up, admire it, talk to that plant. It will respond. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks Thank for you. calling, Jane. Thank you very much, Jane. Uh, from Chatham, that brought me yeah. back on a little memory trip. That was where I first started to work in radio at CFCO. And you were like 14 years Chatham. old, weren't you? Well, not, not quite. <laughs> I was 17. Oh, 17. Yeah, was so 17. much more mature yeah. than 14. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> and stayed at uh, Mom and uh, Pop Cartier's oh, uh, boarding. boarding house. Oh, yeah. Yes. 15 bucks a week. Uh, wow, I can't believe well, you remember. Remember that, and that was room fifty a week. That was room and board, fifteen room bucks board, a yeah. week. My. Yeah, oh, some of the stories. Uh, yes, indeed. Have you ever written your memoirs, Frank? I think it's time, oh, or dictate dear. them, or something. I'm wondering how many I could really share. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. I, I remember there'd be lawsuits, right? Well, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, I guess I haven't got time to ruminate any more on that, except to say there've been some excellent questions here this this there morning. There have. Super. I was saying to you though that emails are a little more controllable than our callers. We yeah. we had some people run away with a lot of questions there, so I guess we'll just have to be like more on the ball next yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, try and limit your time, as it were. Well, or like let's get you know, the question out. And the that's gong, it. The Gong Show. Ah, oh, it's an idea. Bong. Cut him off. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound very no, nice. That's no, that's not very nice at all. <laughs> we can use some of the techniques they were using on the presidential debates. So, oh, mm, Lord. Weren't those working well? Horrible. <laughs> anyway. anyway. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> exactly. So I'm hearing some cars revving their engines yes. just behind you. So I see we have the, the gentleman with the, the car show here. There they are. There they are. Oh, it's Look it's out. the Harleys, actually. It looks like he's on a Harley. Oh. He's not in any car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. And thank you, Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without your help. And uh, thanks to all our great callers. Um, the one thing is try and keep it to one question yeah, per caller for next right. week. <laughs> okay. And we will see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.